I want to thank and praise God this morning. My name is Fee Sullivan. I'm one of the pastors here at Sarah Mesa Christian Fellowship, and I am so privileged to be here. I'm very thankful to Pastor Louis Wires for allowing me to preach in his stead, and he's celebrating right now 35 years of marriage. Amen? What a blessing. It's a testimony. This is a testimony for many, because in this day and time, there are divorces in the church and outside of the church, and it's almost equal. But praise God, God has mended them together, and they're holding on, amen? And we can rejoice in that. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be picking up in the book of Hebrews. Uh, last week, Pastor Louie, he uh, finished uh, chapter 10, and we're going to be in chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I've entitled this message this morning, Having Faith for Today. And we're going to expound, if time permitting, seven verses, the first seven verses. And so pray with me as we open up the Word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this day. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I pray now, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying to the church. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And for those of you who don't have a Bible, raise your hands. One of the ushers and greeters will give you a Bible. But all the scriptures that we're going to be talking about will be on the screen behind me. Amen. And so let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. I love this chapter because it talks about the heroes of faith. And throughout this whole chapter, we're going we're gonna to see it and have a glimpse of men and women that have gone before us in the faith. And the three key elements of their faith is, number one, they had faith, they trusted God, and they obeyed God. And we're going to see this element working through their lives. And this is the key for you and I, that we would have faith, that we would trust God, and we would obey God. And so now, Verse 1, now faith is the substance of things told for, the evidence of things not seen. And we need to look at this first scripture and go a little deeper with this scripture. Let's, let's just peel another layer. And so let's look at this. Faith is explained as the confidence assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. Faith starts with believing in God's character, that he is who he says he is. Faith culminates with believing in God's promises, that he will do what he says he will do. We often think of the word hope in terms of uncertain desire, like, I hope it doesn't rain on Saturday. Now, for believers, however, hope is a desire based on assurance, and the assurance is based on God's character. And so we need to understand that very clearly. So now, I impose a question to us. Where does your faith come from? Now, this is something that you don't get, go online and you, and you wait for an email to come, and there's your faith. No. Faith is found in Romans 12.3. Romans 12.3 explains where we got this faith. And so let's read this scripture. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment 
in accordance with the faith God. There it is. God has distributed to each and every one of us. Listen, at birth, God instilled that faith in us. And what was that faith for? That we would seek him, that we would find him, and that we would hope for the eternal glory of salvation. So now, once it's been established that faith has come from God, where do you go from there? As new Christians, when you first receive the word of God and, and you're born again and, and all of a sudden you have a love relationship with the Lord, where do you go from there? And so, how does your faith grow? Well, let's look at Romans 10 and 7. 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the key element right there. Hearing the preached word of God. That's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to go leaps and bounds. You need to hear God's word. And as you continue to listen and hear God's word, that's when the supernatural starts to take place. A couple years ago, I was challenged in my faith to read the Bible an hour a day. So I broke it up. 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon, 15 minutes after supper, and then 15 minutes before I went to bed. That whole year, I read the Bible three and a half times. Oh, yes. Three and a half times. And let me tell you, faith was being demonstrated through the word of God. And we started to believe now. I started to believe, man, Lord, everything you've mentioned, everything you've done, everything you've said is true. And by men and women believing by faith. Now, if we have time at the end of this sermon, I want to share a testimony. It was all done by faith, let me tell you. So, verse 2 now. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. Now, I've listed five testimonies of good reports from elders in the past, in the, in the Old Testament. Now, I could have listed 50 of them, but we don't have time. So, I, I picked five. And the first one is, Abraham became our father in the faith by what? obeying God. And we find this in Genesis 26, 4 through 5, and it reads, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to you descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice. There's that key word. He obeyed God. He obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. This is an exhortation to you and I. If you want to live that abundant life, if you want to be truly blessed by God, obey him. It's very simple. Because before we come saved, we were rebellious to the word of God. We did our own thing. We were out there, you know, in the, in the clubs. We were out there just doing our own thing, having a Burger King life, having it my way. But when we come into the saving knowledge, then we have a choice to make, and we're challenged by God. What are we challenged? To obey. Listen, we never obeyed our parents. We didn't obey our school teachers. I know I didn't. I grew up as a rebel. A rebel without a cause. You've probably seen that movie. It's an old movie. Oh, yeah. But listen, when God comes into your life supernaturally, and he gives you that hope now of eternal glory, all of a sudden, you fall on your face and say, Lord, you are God, and I am not. 
And then we start to read his word and we start to implement the things that God has demonstrated through the people that have gone before us by faith. And so, number two, Moses obeyed God and by faith he parted the Red Sea. Oh, yes, he did. Let's look at that in Exodus 14, 16. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry, dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, we all seen this movie since probably we were, what, five years old that we could remember? That's the farthest back I can remember is five years old. But every year, the Ten Commandments are on, and we always see Charlton Heston and, you know, as Moses parting the Red Sea. Never understood any of that until I got older. But he parted that by faith. He obeyed God. God said, lift up your rod. And the miracle took place. And even the naysayers and the ones that doubted God were following. Yeah, they were doubting God, but they followed Moses. And then even when they got to the other end, they still murmured and complained. Let us not be that type of people. When we believe the word of God, now let's operate by faith and trust it. And so number three, Joshua obeyed God by faith, and the walls of Jericho tumbled down. Now, Joshua 6.20, it reads, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. They took it by faith. Listen, they didn't surround the place with armory, with weapons. You know how that wall came down? Through praise and worship. Listen, when you find yourself in a predicament, you want to shout to the Lord. Praise your way through those predicaments. Trials are going to come. Tribulation is going to come. But all turn to the word of God. Turn to God and say, Lord, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Lord, help me through this trial. Let me tell you, he will hear your cry. Oh, yes, he will. He heard my cry many times. I found myself in many predicaments. And the one I'm going to share at the very end blew me away. But it was God and God alone. And when God sees you through, testify. Tell someone what God has done for you. The Bible says that we've overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And that's the way you're going to overcome things and issues of your life. It's by testifying. Shame the devil what, what he's done and how he's harassed you. And tell on him. And you watch God do the miraculous in your life. Number four, Elijah raises a child from the dead by faith. And we read that in 1 Kings, 1 Kings 17, 20, 22 to 23. And it reads, then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came back to him. And he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And why did God do that miracle for the mother? Because she gave all that she had by faith. She gave a water, a glass of water to the prophet Elijah. And God remembered that. And so when it was her time, her need, Elijah went before the Lord and prayed, and that kid rose back from the dead. That kid was dead. 
Listen, you need to pray and ask God to raise up the dead things in your life. Every one of us has a, a, a family member, a, a, a relative who don't serve God. And we've been praying left and right for them. And you need to continue to pray for them that God will raise them up from the dead spiritually. And God will. The key is to press, press, press forward. Don't turn back. You notice those that uh, have the full armor of God, there's no protection on the back. So there's no retreat. If we turn around, ah, the enemy can have access to us. All the, all the shields and the weaponry are before us. So press forward to the prize and the call in Christ Jesus. Amen? amen. we get an amen here tonight? Amen. 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 All right. Number five. David conquered Goliath by faith. Now, we all know that story. We heard that story when we were a child. Something about David. And you notice about David. What I love about David is when Samuel the prophet came looking to see who would be the king. He went to the oldest and the biggest brother and said, hmm, why isn't this stone turning color? And God had to speak to the prophet and said, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inward. And listen, I pray that each and every one of us would have a heart of David. Why? Because David loved God. Yes, he went through many trials in his whole entire life. Yes, he fell in sin. Yes, but one of the things that, that David did is every time he transgressed against God, he had a decision to make. And one of those decisions was that he would fall on his face and repent and ask God to cleanse him and to wash him. In 1 Samuel 17, 50, it says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Man, the faith that David had as a child to go against a giant, Goliath. Listen, there's going to be many giants in your life. Many giants. And God is saying, are you going to have faith to believe that through Christ all things are possible Amen. to those who believe? And that's the key for us this morning is believe the impossible things and watch God deliver. Oh, yes, look, you and I, he has drawn what? Out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. And we can sit here in heavenly places and rejoice and praise God on what he's done in our life. Amen. Every one of us man, ought to be shouting and say yes and amen to God. And when he requires things from us, don't struggle with it. Let it go. Give it to him. And watch him do the miraculous. The miraculous. And so now, turn with me to verse 3 in Hebrews 11. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, it says it was framed by the word of God. Now, in our society, there's many little G's in our society, many little gods. Drive up University Avenue, El Cajon Boulevard. You see all these different kind of gods in the windows. They put fruit to them, and, and they worship them. So the question is, which god created the worlds. And we're going to clearly state this right now, and it's found in Colossians 1, 12 through 18. Let's read this. And it's right there on your screen. Now, Paul, 
who wrote Colossians is always giving thanks to God. He always remembers what God has done for him and through him. And we need to be a people that is a thankful people. Listen, he could have left us out there. We could have perished in our sins. But no, he, he, his grace, his mercy was upon us. Amen? Amen. And so in, in verse 12, it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the sinners? Saints. You and I are saints of God. We're called out people. God has set us aside. We're not like the world anymore. It's something that we need to get a hold of, that we are the saints of God in the light. What light? The light of Christ, who shines in you and through you, who uses you in a mighty way. How many of you have testified and, and shared your faith? Can I see a show of hands? Oh, yes. God is asking us to continue to testify to this dying world because this world is dying. It's going to pass away. And further in, in this study, we're going to see that is soon to be passed away. And so verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. For those of you who don't know my testimony, God delivered me from crystal meth, alcoholism, drug abuse, marijuana, you name it. I, I grew up in Sweetwater uh, High School in National City. And yeah, I played football and all that, but I still hung around with the bad crowd. And we done some horrible stuff that I, I don't even want to mention here. But God, in his mercy, drew us, as the Bible says, out of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have now redemption through the blood of forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Thank God for the blood. We need to sing more songs about the blood and how God cleansed us and washed us and purified us. Oh, yes, amen. And, and Pastor Lou, Louie had so lovely elaborated that in, in the couple of chapters before 11, talking about the blood. Go back and review that. It's all about the blood. In verse 15, and he has what? The image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things, he, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. It was Jesus. He's the one that created all things. He was there with the Father. And verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Praise God. He keeps the whole entire universe intact. He keeps the world spinning on its assets perfectly. The weather is always perfect for us. And we complain when it gets about 54, or we complain when it gets 101. But it's all perfect to God. We're not dying. It's wonderful weather here, especially here in San Diego. And verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have what? Preeminence. Jesus, he's the head of the church. And praise God that he's the head and not you or I. We would mess it all up. Now, here's an illustration of faith. Faith allows us to understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. 
God, Jesus, created the world from nothing by his creative word alone. Believing this fact requires spiritual perception that we receive only by faith. It's by faith. This passage reminds us that all creation was new, not made from the pre-existent materials. The visible world did not come from anything that can be seen. God called the universe into existence out of nothing. He declared that it was to be, and it was. We understand this by what? Faith. Not because we saw it happen, but because we understand from what we read in Scripture and from our relationship with the loving Father that the world was created with a purpose and that we are of that purpose. Listen, you are not an accident. Your life is not an accident. There's a purpose in your life. There's a purpose in your life. And you and I can find our purpose through the word of God. When we read God's word, we understand who we are in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And now we can sit in heavenly places, amen? Amen. And we can praise God and thank him. Thank him for what he's done in our life. How many of you have testified? We need to have a testimony service one day. And just testify what God has done. I see many of you. I know your stories. Man, you need to be shouting that from the rooftop, what God delivered you from. Oh, my goodness. Why? Because it'll set someone else free. Someone else will get set free. They'll say, wow, man, if God did that for you, then the faith that he has given me, he can accomplish that in my life. And that he would have the glory. He would have the honor. He would have the praise. And so verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was, what, righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, being dead, still speaks. God is still speaking about Abel. How many thousands of years ago was this? And God is still mentioning Abel. Why is he mentioning Abel? First, let's look at this. Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's first two sons. Cain, a farmer, brought an offering to God from the ground. Abel, a shepherd, brought firstborn sheep. Now, Abel's sacrifice, an animal substitute, was a more acceptable offering, and God, it what, accepted it. Therefore, Abel was commanded as a righteous man. And because of Abel's faith, he still speaks by his example. Now, if we go to Genesis 3.21, I'm going to assume now that as kids growing up in the household of faith, in the household of Adam and Eve, they must have shared their experience in the garden and when they sinned and what God did for them after they sinned. I believe Abel got it. I believe he understood it. And I believe this is a shadow and a type of what was to come. But in Genesis 3.21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. You see, when they sinned, there had to be what? A sacrifice. And with that sacrifice, there was a shedding of blood. And there we see in the very 
book, the very first book in Genesis, there was a sacrifice made unto God. God had to slay that animal to clothe Adam and Eve from their nakedness. You got to remember, they were naked at one time, and they, they didn't know that was sinful at all, because it wasn't. It was whole, holy unto the Lord. But when sin entered in, death entered in. And through one man's disobedience, man faces death every day now. But there had to have been a sacrifice, a shedding of blood. And so we see this in Hebrews 9.22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is what? No forgiveness of sins. See, Abel got that. And Abel tended to the fields. He was a shepherd. And because he got that, he brought what? His first offering unto the Lord from his firstling. And it was, it was awesome. And, and Cain, unfortunately, didn't get it. He probably heard the story time and time and time again. But he's another guy that had a Burger King life. He wanted to do it his way. And so he brought, what, a fruit offering, and God rejected it. Listen, many people have come to the Lord, but if there's no true repentance, I believe it's rejected. There's got to be a repentance. There's got to be a brokenness. There's got to be a, that, that established then the relationship, and it bridges the gap. Through repentance, and then what? Once there's a repentance, then the shed blood is applied. But God wants to see that you're sincere with him, that you're not playing church, that people are serious about their salvation. God made a distinct difference between Cain and Abel here. And what is God requiring of us? He's requiring that we give our heart, our whole heart, soul, and mind to the Lord. And the key word, as I shared, he's given us faith. He's given us the opportunity to trust him. But the key element is to obey him. Because prior to salvation, we didn't obey. We didn't know how to obey. And now we have the liberty to obey God at his word. Amen? Amen. What a blessing. A lot of unsaved folks can't get this concept. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. They're not born again. They can't discern the Spirit of God through the Word of God. And that's why we need to be in the Word of God. Those of you who are not in a home fellowship, I highly recommend get plugged in. That's how you're going to continue to grow. The home fellowships that we have in this church are awesome, they're dynamic. You get to interact with one another, there's accountability. And that's one thing that's lacking is accountability. And not to know your business, but to say, you know what? Brother, I love you. I'm praying for you. Sister, I'm praying for you. I know you're going through. Let me come by and pray with you right now. Let's take these things up to the Lord. A lot of times we want to be our, by ourselves, and, and we don't come to God or, or we don't come to one another to pray with me. But God is saying there's a distinct difference and we need to be always having that heart of repentance toward God. Amen? And so now Abel's offering was an act of obedience by faith, as I shared. And it was a shadow and a type to come. And so we need to understand that. Now let's go to verse 5. By faith, 
Enoch was taken away so that he did not, what, see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And just think of that. Walking with God by faith, and you don't have to see the sting of death. Many people that we've known, saved and unsaved, who have gone on to be with the Lord, and those who didn't go on to be with the Lord, they faced the physical sting of death. Oh, yes. And let's read in Genesis 5, 21 through 24. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now, Enoch walked with God. And then it says, and he was not, for God took him. Listen, you and I need to understand that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Amen. Do we all believe that he's coming soon? And listen, I want to be like Enoch. I want to be like Elijah because Elijah is the other uh, patriot of the faith that was taken up in a whirlwind. Listen, when the shout, when the shofar blows, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we that are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up in the air to be with the Lord. That's my hope. Is that your hope? Amen. I want to be caught up. I want to go like these guys did. Oh, yes. I don't want to die of cancer or this and that or whatever disease may hit me. I don't want to die, you know, an old, old man and, and can't even walk anymore. I want God to take me through the rapture. And that's promised to you and I who are walking by faith who are watching for him, who are looking unto him. For why? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we need to be pressing. We need to be plugged in. We need to be in, in Bible uh, class. Can, can I see a hand of Bible, uh, the home fellowship leaders? Look around you. There's what? There's at least five classes a week. Man, plug in. Get one close, closest to you and start growing in your faith. And let me tell you, you'll grow leaps and bounds. And so, what was the key for Enoch to be taken by God? What was the key? All, there's an element to all these men and women that you're going to find in chapter 11. There was one key element that was demonstrated by each and every one of them. And so now we find this in Hebrews 5, 8 through 9. And this is the talk about, this scripture right here is talking about Jesus because he had the ultimate obedience to the Father. It says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Listen, we're going to suffer as a Christian. Oh, yes, we're going to be persecuted. People are going to talk about you. They're going to say all manner of iniquity against you. They're going to construct lies against you. Oh, but hold on. Rejoice when they persecute you. Oh, yes. The story I'm going to share at the end of this, I was ridiculed and mocked for my faith. But the Bible says rejoice. In verse 9, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation 
to all who obey him. There's the key word. Obey, obey, obey. And how do we obey? Through the faith that God has given us. We read earlier, he gave each and every one of us a measure of faith. And so there's no more excuse. He implemented the faith so that we can now turn to him in obedience and walk that obedient life. Let me tell you, when I found out that there's a better life than the B.C. years, I'm walking in it by faith, trusting and believing God. You see, it's even mentioned in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 15, 22. It says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? It's mentioned throughout the Old Testament and New Testament regarding obedience. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering on the fat of rams. Listen, when you humbly submit to God through obedience by faith, he starts doing the miraculous in your life. Supernatural things happen that line up to the word of God. And this is not about name it and claim it. This is about trusting God for your circumstance. Many of us in this room here are struggling financially, need a blessing. They're saying, man, Lord, I need a job. Lord, my marriage is on the rocks right now. Lord, my, my son and my daughter are on drugs. My parents don't serve God. Listen, you need to come to the Lord by faith and trust him. And as you continue to obey God, Guess what? He's working on the other side of the fence for those petitions that you lifted up to him. Oh, yes, he does. For 20 years, I've been walking this walk with him, and I've seen many, my own family members, friends, uh, acquaintances, come into the saving knowledge of the Lord just by witnessing to them, just by praying for them, one of the best times you can come and share your faith is when someone is sick. Oh, woe is me. You know, they're either in the hospital or on the bedside. Just humbly come to them. Even the ones that one time mocked you of your faith, come, share with them, pray with them, anoint them with oil, pray for them, and watch God do something miraculous in their heart. What God will do, he'll turn the heart. It's a heart change. Turning the heart, that's what God wants to do, is turn the heart. And so now, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must what? Believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Listen, I was seeking pleasure I was seeking love. I was seeking for all these worldly things in all the wrong places. I didn't realize that if I sought God with my whole heart, soul, and mind, that I would find him. You see, to come to God has two prepositions here. Number one, the person must believe that there is a God, and then, number two, believe that God rewards those who sincerely Seek him. You see, believing that God exists is only the beginning. Even the demons believe in God's existence. 
See, God will not settle for mere acknowledgement of his existence. He wants a personal, dynamic relationship with you that will transform your life. That's why you need to be in your word. That's why you need to come out for prayer. Listen, Wednesday night prayer, we all meet in the back room. And let me tell you, what blesses my heart is those who come to prayer. I'm watching faith being demonstrated right before me. Oh, yeah, everyone's lifting up their petitions. And for someone who's unsaved that would walk in, they would say, man, who are they talking to? But we're communion with God. By faith, we're, we're lifting up our petitions, and we're coming to him, and we're saying, you know, the prayer meeting is the least attended meeting. They did a statistic, and that's why a lot of times we find ourselves not getting answered prayer, because we're not seeking him. We're not pressing through. We're not bringing up these petitions to him. He already knows before we ask, but you know what? What blesses God's heart is when we come to him humbly and say, God, Help me through this matter. I'm going through right now. That's what God wants to do in your life. And then he wants to take it from there and do the miraculous. And you'll watch friends and family members come into the same knowledge. You'll see jobs open up. You'll see marriages mended. You'll see a kids quit drugs and come into the saving knowledge. Your life counts. Your life has a purpose and a plan. You're not an accident. God has a purpose, a purpose for your life. Oh, yes, he does. You see, James 2.19, it says, you believe that there is one God, and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. One of, one, the thing about the demons is they can't repent. And they'll never come into, the, 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 uh, demons are, 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 are fallen angels, and because they follow Lucifer, Satan, their lost causes and their doom is awaiting them soon. Because the Bible tells us that Satan and all his dominion will be cast into the everlasting lake of fire forever. Man, I can't wait for that world to come when we're transformed into the image and likeness of his son and that this body will never decay again. The disease the diabetes, the cancer, and all these things that ail us, old age, all that, dying, crying, is all going to vanish. And God is going to give us a new body, one just like his. How many of you seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ? And remember, at the very end, he rose up again? That was the new body. That was... That was the same Jesus who, bam, appeared into the midst of them and said, Thomas, here, touch my side. Thomas, see the nail? See the holes in my hand? And then after a while, then he was gone again. He was able to move in a dimension that you and I cannot comprehend. But that's a promise for us. We're going to be changed and be like him. And it's by faith, by trusting God and obeying him. Now, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
Many of you are praying and petitions, and you're saying, man, Lord, I prayed this a week ago. I prayed this a month ago. God is saying, continue to seek him. Don't stop praying. And while you're waiting for that blessing, continue to serve him. Continue to bless the church. Continue to bless one another. Continue to edify one another. Continue to come alongside someone. Listen, when you want to find your life, when you give away your life, that's when you're going to find it. Oh, yeah. And how do we find it? By giving it away. Serving. Helping. Tithing. Anything we can do to bless the heart of God. And while you're doing that, guess what? He's taking care of the things that are unseen. Oh, yes. Then all of a sudden, bam, here comes your blessing. Why? Because those are promises to us, to you and I. Matthew 7, 7 through 8, it says, ask. God is saying ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives it, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. God is saying press. Don't give up. Some of you have been praying Many years now for loved ones to be saved. Don't quit. Don't quit. Oh, yeah. My daughter-in-law, Desiree, for nine months, she prayed, Lord, are you going to save Marcos? This is, at that time, they weren't married, but they had a child already, Levi. And every Friday night at, after the home fellowship, she would always ask for prayer. She would always ask God, are you going to save him like you saved me? And we would come alongside her and we would pray for her and we'd say, don't give up, Desiree. Don't give up, Desiree. Keep pressing through. And then one Sunday morning came. It was time to come to church. Levi was five years old at the time. He comes to his father and taps him. He's He's in bed. He's not going nowhere. He rolls over. He goes, yeah, Levi. He goes, Dad, are you coming to church with us? And Marcos says, ah, you know, the typical excuse. Ah, Levi, I'm sick right now. Uh, You guys go ahead. Go ahead and go. They've been always inviting him to come to church. Levi, five years old, says, Dad, can I pray for you? He laid hands on him. He said, God, bless my dad. Help him to become a good man. I hope he comes to church today. And off they went to church. The story I got is when they left, he rose up from his bed. He sat up on his bed, and he started bawling like a little baby. He saw faith demonstrated in a five-year-old. He said, man, If he can believe that there's a God, there must be a God. Two weeks later, Yolanda and I, we were working at the prayer team at Mission Valley. And I had to leave the second service. They show up second service. Marcos is there with them. And for nine months, Desiree kept pressing, kept pressing the throne of grace. I know you're going to save him. I know you're going to save him. And after the message was given, they saw him in a corner with his head down and drops of big tears 
were coming down his face. And God had granted him a heart of repentance. And he cried out to God. And God just did a radical thing in his heart. Because he loved to smoke his bongs and do this and do that. But God radically changed him. And this past Friday night, he taught the home fellowship. Oh, yes. And he did a wonderful job. And I heard nothing but praises, you know, that, that God used them in a mighty way. Look, that's what God is all about. He's about the impossible things in your life. Don't give up. Whatever you're going through this morning, don't give up. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever think and ask and hope for. He's all about the impossibility, the impossible things in our life. And we come to our last scripture, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness in which is according to faith. Listen, it takes a whole lot of faith to listen to a voice he didn't have scriptures on hand. And God said, build a giant ark. It's going to flood. It's going to rain. Man, if you heard a voice like that, man, that takes a whole lot of faith, doesn't it? But how and why did Noah believe this voice? By faith. By faith. You see, in Genesis... 9 through 13, it reads, this is the genealogy of, genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Right there. That's a key word right there. A just man. He was just before God. He walked upright before God. This man had virtue. He had honor. He was credible amongst his community. And they all saw. That whole community must saw something totally different than the rest of everyone else. And Noah walked with God. And so not only did God say that he was just, but it tells us that he walked with God. Man, let me tell you, get a hold of this. Because when you truly start walking with God, oh, you become a force in the kingdom of God. And Satan has to flee. Oh, yeah. Because you'll put a big dent in his kingdom. Why? Because you'll boldly proclaim his goodness, his grace, his mercy. You'll testify what God has done. And you'll shame him and expose him of who he is. The Bible says he's a, a liar and the father of all lies. And so Noah walked with God. And he begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Sounds familiar? Does it sound like our day and time? Filled with violence. There's some parts of San Diego at 5 o'clock when the sun sets, you don't even want to walk through there. Oh, no. And late at night, it sounds like the 4th of July. They'd be capping off their guns. Oh, yeah. And, the, and then it goes on to say, and so God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. 
For the earth is filled with violence, and through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And what did God use to destroy the earth? He used water. But my brothers and my sisters, when the day of the Lord comes again, it's not going to be with water. It's going to be with fire. It's going to be with fire. And this is why God is preparing you and I when I see you here on Sundays, when I see you, you guys on Friday nights and all the fellowships you attend, it brings great joy is that you are pressing toward the prize and the call in Christ Jesus. You're pressing through. God is raising you up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. For when the day of the Lord comes, we read this in 2 Peter 3, 10 through 14, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. It ain't going to be with water. It's going to be with heat. And the elements will melt away. Both the earth and the works that are in it will all be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, here's an exhortation to you and I. What manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Again, personal inventory. We need to give a heart check. Are we living for God? Are we walking with God? Are we serving the Lord? Praise God for the worship team every Sunday. They're here at what, nine o'clock? They get together on Thursdays. They prepared to usher us into the throne of grace. They're serving God. They honor God. The ushers, those who are at the door, the uh, those blessed teachers right now, teaching the children the word of God, raising them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They're serving the Lord. And God is looking for faith, those who will serve him, those who will bless his heart, those who will make a difference. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for the best that would come from you and I. He wants the best from us. Why? Because he's an awesome God. He's a glorious God. He's a magnificent God. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to the things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And the last scripture I leave with you is in Matthew. This is an exhortation to this day and time now. And God is exhorting us. He's exhorting us to be ready. But as the days of Noah, we just read a little bit about Noah. Where so also will the coming of the Son of Man be? For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark. Verse 39, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men in the field, one will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch. That's why God is saying watch now. These times that we live in to watch. This is a vital era in history is to watch now. The signs are here. Oh, yes. Go to 1 Timothy chapter, uh, 1 Timothy, no, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and read that whole verse. It describes this era, this day and time right now. And it goes on to say, 
But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. I close with this testimony, and it's dear to me, because I was so young in the faith, so young in the faith. And what took place was 19 years ago, I was only a Christian for a year. I had just got a real estate job. I was working at Veteran Real Estate in National City on Plaza Boulevard. And I was young. I didn't really have that many clients. But the one client that you get, you hold on to. Because that's going to pay your rent, your car note, and everything else. Okay? And it's got to stretch for a couple months. And so I was in escrow. Uh, she was an E5 in the military. I didn't know until later on that she was going through a divorce. And he was also in the military. Well, we're three days from closing. And I get called into the office. And my loan officer, her name is Shauna. She goes, Fee, I need you to come in and sit down. I need to talk to you. I said, what? She goes, the title company just, just sent me a message indicating that they can't insure the title. I go, what does all that mean? And she said, her husband, because they're not divorced, because they're separated, he filed Chapter 11, bankruptcy. And because they're still married, either one cannot purchase property during a bankruptcy because the title company will not insure the title. I said, you got to be kidding. I said, if this doesn't close, man, i got to call a family member to move in. I mean, it, it was like, whoa. And she, Shauna said, well, call Archer in. Archer's my broker, my boss. He goes, Fee, well, who's the title company? I said, First American. He goes, well, go in the phone book and call every title company in the county and see if you could get some help. So I called Orange Coast. I called Old Republic. You know, I was calling Chicago. Every one of them that was out there at the time. And everyone said, we need to talk to our attorneys, and we'll get back to you. Within about two hours during that day, calls were coming in and out. I'm sorry, but we can't issue insurance on this title. And um, move on to your next deal. <laughs> I couldn't move on to my next deal. I had no more deals. And so the whole office, there were 17 agents in the office, they knew what I was all about. I'd be in there preaching the gospel, telling Jesus, telling everyone about Jesus, telling them about the faith, telling them about having faith when things go wrong. And, you know, and they all knew who I was. But there was this one lady named Shoshana. She mocked everything about me. And when she found out that my deal went sour, she would always be looking across from the room going, just laughing, because she hated what I standed for or what I stood for. And so then I go to the back room, and there, there was the copier room and the computer room. There was only one computer at the time, and I was back there praying. I had nowhere else to go. I said, God, you said you would supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And I was just crying and praying, and, and Shoshana would walk by the little cubicle 
And she would see me back there with my head down praying, and she would walk by and go, <laughs> and then she would go to the front, and she, I could hear her. She told everyone, he's praying back there. You know, you can hear all the little gossip and the little talking and everything. And so about 15 minutes after I had prayed back there, I came back into the front, and I sat at my desk, and I opened up my Bible. And, you know, it got silent when I came into the room. No more than 15 minutes later, the front door opens. A lady walks in. Sharon Wright from, um, it was Clarion Title Company. And she was leaving cards on everyone's desk. And I picked it up. She didn't know no one. And she was almost out the door. And it said, Clarion Title Company. I go, I didn't see this in the phone book. And so I said, hey, wait a minute. Hey, come back. I, I, I want to share something with you. And she goes, what? I go, and I shared the whole story, why I couldn't get title insurance on my transaction. She goes, well, why don't you go over there and have a seat at your desk, and let me call our, our legal and see what we can do for you. I said, oh, the attorneys again. And so I'm sitting there, and everyone knows. Everyone's still in the office, and they see what's going on here. And she's on the phone for about 40 minutes. And I'm saying, oh, man, Lord, are you in this, Lord? Lord, are you in this? And so she hangs up the phone. She walks over to me. I'm sitting down. She puts her hand on my shoulder. And she says, it's fee, right? Because I had a desk plaque on my feet. I go, yeah. She goes, when do you want to close? And I said, what? She goes, when do you want to close? We got the approval. We're a new company that just moved down from Orange County, and we want to establish business. And so when do you want to close? Listen, I rose up from my seat, and I yelled out as loud as I could. I said, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And everyone was like, silence. Shoshana, man, she, she saw what took place. She got up, and she slammed her chair. She went outside. She smoked her cigarette, and then we didn't see her for a week. <laughs> and the escrow transaction closed in two days, not three days. And God had demonstrated that by trusting him, by believing the word of God, by holding on and obeying him, that he would do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever think and ask and hope for. And I give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise and glory this morning.